0: What is up, everyone? I am Chris Sinclair, and I am joined by my fellow host, Drew Garrison. We are a couple of self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience reaching back to the days of washing dishes and cleaning pizza ovens, all the way to owning multiple businesses and selling some of the most exclusive brands in the world. Our goal is to walk you through today's most interesting alcohol industry headlines while sipping on amazing
1: drinks. Drew, what are we covering today? Chris, we have all kinds of fun stuff to go over, including 160 lawmakers are actually working together to help the American people. We have restaurants and bars are experiencing an unlikely enemy from within our own ranks. And we have a prominent Jamaican distillery who is closing its sugar factory. But before we get to that, Chris, what are you drinking
0: Man, I am sipping on uh, some Willet Pot Still Reserve Bourbon. Uh, I love this shit, man. It is uh, spicy. It's creamy, and it like finishes with like a little bit of a apricot floral note. Uh, it runs about six, uh, six, 56 bucks, and definitely fifty six dollars. Sorry, I had to look at my notes. And um, this is hands down one of my favorite bourbons of all time. If uh if you can't get this, uh I, I strongly suggest looking at the rest of the Willet line um or things made at the Willet Distillery like old Bardstown. Um it's it's gonna be really hard to go wrong.
1: What do you yeah. drink it on? Uh well first I I really dig that bottle too, and it's also like an awesome shape. So if you're into bottle design, it's um it's one of my favorites. Yeah, and, um, and yeah, it's it's slightly obnoxious to like
0: put on a a back bar just because of how wide it is and it, it takes up a lot of real estate. But it's a uh, it's so iconic that I I kind of can't hate on it.
1: Right, and it also comes in ridiculous sizes, whether it be a fifty ml or a one point seven five,
0: which oh, is a ginormous bottle. I
1: love, that. Bottle <laughs> I love it like so much. <laughs> ridiculous that you can use as a decanter after, which is I,
0: I I have a friend who turned his into a bong.
1: So there you go, or that. You know, that you put your weight in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I am, uh, I'm actually flipping the script. So typically I'm drinking a spirit and they're drinking a wine. And now that's changed for tonight because tonight I'm drinking a Saperavi from the country of Georgia. And um, I'm doing the Guardians, which is a, an expression from the Georgian wine house, And it's one of their more entry level wines. So with Georgian wine, it, it does tend to be a little bit more uh, aggressive. They do a lot of natural wines over there. In fact, they don't even call it natural wine. they just call it winemaking. Um, so what That's they weird. did was they took they took their indigenous grapes and in Saparavi is one of them, and they did a couple modern methods because they wanted to find a way to make it a little bit more appealing for the American palate. And they came out with this line. Now, they call it Guardians because they're also trying to celebrate the history of Georgia and then all the people that have been involved in that. And so this one actually has – I believe it's uh, Maya is is the woman that's on the bottle. And she's kind of like a cross between Mulan and Robin Hood. So that's pretty metal. And what's really (laughs) cool is a – a portion of all these proceeds go to more female winemakers within the state or the country of Georgia. So in terms of taste profile, it's, it's juicy and it kind of really has like a cherry, almost black cherry taste to it. But as you continue to drink it, 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 the tannins start to come up a little bit more. And, you know, I've had my issues with California wine recently and how juicy and overly sweet it can be. And I find with this one, Right when it gets to that point where you think it's going to be too sweet, the tannins kick in and it's kind of like, oh, thank God. It kind of gives your your palate a break. And what I really love about this bottle is that it's only $14. So it's worth taking a, a risk on. It's a really fun, interesting wine. I was trying to think of something else that you can kind of compare it to, but I really don't have anything. And that's mostly to do with the fact that I don't have the wine knowledge that other people have or that I would like have with rum or, or, uh, agave. But with this one, it's just like, give it a try. It's 14 bucks. You really can't beat that. So yeah,
0: I, I love this wine as well. It's, um, I, I also, my wine knowledge is slightly lacking at least, you know, my, my, uh, my internal dialogue is, is that I don't know shit about wine, even though a Apparently, I know a thing or two, but um, uh, this wine is is incredibly unique. And I, I, there's this great where you're saying the tannins come up at the at the finish. What I I sort of read that as is sort of a like this concrete minerality that I really enjoy because it starts off like you're saying juicy and sort of this red grape or uh, red berry note at the beginning, and it leans sort of this harsh mineral at the back end. It's kind of like you're, you're licking asphalt or concrete in the best p- way, in the best <laughs> way <laughs> that could possibly <laughs> mean that. <laughs> well, great. and I think
1: that's, I think that's what I appreciate about it so much is, you know, obviously over the past, you know, few years, my palate has continued or as it just craved weirder and weirder stuff. And um, recently you got me turned on to French and Italian wines. Yeah, you're and fucking then, welcome. Uh, <laughs> thank thank you. But what it did was it really ruined me for American wines. And I'm having a tough time finding in, in particular California wines that I now enjoy. And I just I'm I'm really struggling with it to the point where, you know, if I don't I pop up in a bottle, it's just like, well, this is this is going down the drain or if Caitlin doesn't drink all of it. So that's kind <laughs> of um, a <laughs> – yeah, man, it's bad. I mean, cuz it's just I'm not going to suffer through it. Um Well, and, you, I'll, I'll let you spend a
0: little time in the old world and then I'll bring you back again. How about that? We'll
1: see. Time? Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um but hey, now it's time for our opinion on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. <laughs> So, in a bipartisan move, over 160 representatives have encouraged the U.S. trade uh, revenue to drop its 25% tariff on Airbus. Now, this is a story that we've been covering since day one of this podcast. And basically, what it means and what it has to do with is Airbus and the Amer- and the United States are fighting back and forth between different tariffs that they don't have to face that then are get put onto Boeing. So it's really between the UK and the United States. And with that has come all these different sanctions and one of them being 25% tariff. Now we're getting to a point where there's been threats of a hundred percent tariff, but now finally, finally bipartisan support and encouraging of lawmakers and the parties involved to drop all these stupid argument and allow us to, you know, get single malts back down to the prices they should be at, get French wine back down to the price, French cheese, all these different things. And what we're hoping for is a decision by August 12th. Chris, what do you make of these newest developments?
0: I, I I'm of two minds. Uh, one is fucking finally, Jesus Christ, fucking finally. (laughs) Uh, and, and two, what? (laughs) Uh, Getting that broad of support is awesome. Like that's great, and it's not even happening. It's not even just happening here in Europe. Airbus also is willing to make some um, consolidations, uh, so that way it's, it's the way it's less of a heated argument, which I think is going to help us reach that deadline. Which I think is fantastic because there's so many other people who are getting hurt in this fight and it's not the same two people who started the fight or the same two companies that started the fight, right? Like they're right. They're fine. I mean, fine ish. I mean, we're in a global pandemic, so they're about as fine as it all the rest of us are fine, but, um, uh, they, they are not struggling as hard as, you know, Kelly Babineau is, or, you know, I am when I have to buy overpriced scotch, Or when I, you know, I can't sell certain vermouths because they just have become astronomically expensive and no one's going to spend $50 on a bottle of fucking vermouth. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, Airbus and, and uh, um, oh, I spaced on it. uh, I think it's Boeing. And Boeing are not struggling as hard as everybody else who's getting taxed in this situation or the consumers who are having to pay for the things that they want.
1: Yeah. So just for some context there, Kelly Babineau is a mutual friend of ours who owns LBV imports. And she's also partly responsible for why I'm drinking so much French wine and Italian wine. And basically, you know, again, what has happened is they're putting all of these sanctions that have happened are not affecting the people that are, that we're really arguing about they're affecting small businesses and they're affecting hundreds of thousands of jobs. And that's where a lot of this, you know, this letter came from all these different lawmakers was like, you are threatening hundreds of thousands of jobs. And if you ever do want to get lawmakers on your side, just threaten jobs. And there you go.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. um, I, I had signed the, um, the, the world trade, um, sorry. The, Oh man, I'm spacing on this one too. The, um, the trade representatives petition.
1: Right. You're right, able to right. comment on it as a citizen. That's and right. And I, to forgive make, me make your- everybody. I,
0: I don't remember what the, what the actual website is and I apologize, but uh, I had, I had signed it a while ago and I had uh, written what I believe to be an incredibly scathing comment. And uh, I, Undoubtedly, because of just me, that they've changed their their ways. Um, but then a, a a friend of mine sent me a screen capture from his wife's uh computer, and he was like, "Oh hey!" And he had come across my signature on this and had read what I wrote. And she is not a uh, part of of the uh, alcohol or food industry, in so much as you know, so directly affiliated. She's working for an almond lobby and so she she was signing on on behalf of them so even even almonds are getting
1: into this fight which is yeah. you know it's just crazy it is it is crazy so hopefully again august 12th we'll have a solution we won't we'll be able to drop this 25 percent, and there won't be an increase of 100 percent. so you
0: good i'm so good <laughs> <Yo>. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, over um, the past six months, obviously, we've all been just living this nightmare. And one of the ways that we've been able to alleviate some of the pressure for bars and restaurants is cocktails to go has become a thing. So, if we're talking straight here in California, that was never allowed before. Newsom signed it in. I want to say within like April 1st, something around that range. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, and 29 other states followed suit. And now, because we really don't see an end in sight, is a lot of states are starting to move towards making to-go cocktails a permanent fixture. But then they received a strongly written letter and study (laughs) from the Center for Alcohol Policy saying that we need to slow down. And we need to make sure that we don't make any rash decisions. Now, this is really strange that this company would would come forward without any real evidence of saying that there's been any harm due to to-go cocktails. But even more so by the fact that their main source of funding actually comes from the National Beer Wholesalers Association. So we're getting pushback from within our own industry on this. When you heard that they were funded by the National Beer Wholesalers Association, Chris, what were your thoughts?
0: I damn near flipped over the table. I was so livid. Um, Also, not, not just because, let's say I wasn't surprised, really, that they were half-assedly trying to sneakily spend money to fight this because beer and wine and booze have since the time of post-prohibition have been at odds with each other in terms of who gets what part of the market share and dollars that people are spending so that doesn't really surprise me (sighs) Because if you talk about booze to go, what that means then is that people aren't going to buy their cores or their Millers or their six packs and they're not going to grab a bottle of wine instead, right? Right. But what a fucked up time to be doing that. They know (laughs) it's a fucked up time, which is why they like they half tried to hide it and it didn't take all that much effort to find them out. But on top of it it's such a bad faith argument. And you and I have had conversations previously on this podcast about bad faith arguments. Their argument is that they took some they took a a, a clip of a some some completely circumstantial really comedic example of kids who are dressing up like grandmas and going out and getting and buying booze while they're underage. A, good for you, kids. You showed a lot more uh, a, a lot more chutzpah than I did growing up. And me, I just I just stood out in front of gas stations and convenience stores and hey, Mister, to anybody that I could. Uh, so the fact <laughs> I have I have a little bit of admiration for these kids. Also, B, it's such a bad faith argument because literally every single person who serves alcohol does not want to go to jail and does not want to get fined. This is not people just letting, letting kids just slip by because all of a sudden now they're serving to go cocktails. Like that hasn't changed anything. Like it's the same argument that you would make about to go beers or selling bottles of wine to go. All they're trying to do is create this false narrative. Yeah. What, what I'm curious though, uh, Drew is if you have an opinion on what, let's say we were to put ourselves in this lobbying in this if we were being paid as lobbyists on behalf of the beer. Do you, do you imagine that there is a good faith argument that you could make for for not allowing to go cocktails?
1: Well, here's here's the breakdown on the National Beers Wholesaler Association. They represent nearly three thousand licensed, independent beer distributors. And there are approximately 130,000 employees have operations in every state and every congressional district across the United States. I think in terms of making a good faith argument for them, it's that you're representing your clients. You're doing what is in their best interest. To all the points that you just made about how if you allow this and you allow these to go cocktails, like it does hurt beer distributors. It absolutely does. Because now you're right. I can grab a beer. I don't have to get a six pack. I don't have to get a twelve pack. I can get it from any store. So I lose leverage there, right? So I think uh, in- sort of I mean
0: I mean you you could still at a lot of a lot of places around this country just buy a single beer, you know. To go, regardless, you know, at a grocery store, at a Seven Eleven, at a gas station. So that doesn't really change. That's not. I wouldn't say that that is
1: really a valid argument. I but think, it is, but, but 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 there's still there are many places even within California that you're not allowed to do that. It's yeah, it, my, my make store sense. being one of them. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm saying like you know yeah. that is that is an argument that that you can make. It's like hey, we're just trying to protect you know our our members. Now, do I agree with it? No, not at all. You know, like this is an extremely shitty thing to do. And again, especially considering that we're at a point now within this, within COVID where there's no end in sight. There was a time frame where we felt like things were going to get better, right? We were kind of like, Hey, if we get to this point, we might be good. And now that that no longer exist. And I think this is an industry that benefits from a rising tide mentality. And if stores close, bars close, restaurants close, nobody's benefiting here. So I think, you know, the fact that they're dragging their feet, and they want us to show patience, you know, as we figure this out, I mean, it, it's just, it's completely ridiculous. And again, they're acting on behalf of their employees. I do think it's really shady that this group was was constructed to kind of hide what was really going on. Um, and But I don't, I mean, what's the fallout going to be? What can you really do as, as a consumer? You know, then you have to do your research. If it sounds like everybody's represented by these people. You know, so if you like beer, you're going to have to deal with them. If you want to sell beer, you're going to have to deal with them. You know, so there's no real repercussions. It's just kind of like, yeah, oh, you guys are kind of shitty.
0: Yeah, well, I, I think, you know, in this day and age, uh, you know, putting someone on blast uh, has has its merits and, uh, and and a certain amount of efficacy, even if it does get out of hand at, at, at certain points in time. I think a good I think like a, I. I try to think of like what a good faith argument would be. And yes, it has to do, it has to do with employment and it has to do with repercussions of like of supply chain, you know, or or it here in California, and it's certainly not the same in every state, but here in California, um, selling we can't sell six packs to go of beer, you know. So you have to go to an off-premise store you know retail store like mine in order to buy those sorts of things right so if you're saying then that bars and restaurants can now sell to-go cocktails and they can sell some of their some of their inventory you know their booze then what do you say to the retail stores that cannot sell cocktails right and cannot you know and, and it just opens up a big can of worms that we may not be prepared to answer. Um, I fall on the, the the spectrum of like, dope, let's do it. Like I don't, that's great. Like we can figure that out when we get to, when we get there. And I for sure will be one who makes that argument just because I stand to lose a lot if I'm not allowed to make to-go cocktails as a store, <laughs> but, but restaurants can. Um, and I think that that's a fair argument to make. Right now, though, is not the time to be shooting people in the foot. And like you said, if bars and restaurants close, this is is helping them stay alive. The amount of harm that you do to yourself by fighting against something that is a lifeline to bars and restaurants only hurts yourself. Like, come on. Like, pull your head out of your fucking ass and just realize that if a bunch of, like... Even 5% of bars and restaurants start to close down. Who do you think is going to survive? And how many how many independent beer producers are going to survive based on that as well?
1: Right. Totally. So you good?
0: Oh, I'm so good.
1: <laughs> and in our final story of today, J Ray and Nephew is closing its uh, Appleton Sugar Factory. J Ray Nephew is a distillery that's in Jamaica, and they have a pretty big collection of different businesses underneath them. But what they reported was over the past 10 years, they have lost $12 million on this sugar factory. With the closing of this factory, 370 people will now be unemployed. However, there are plans for a third party to come in and take over operations where most of those people will be coming back. So this is the second factory that J-Ray has shut down within the last three years. What do you think that means for sugar production and really rum production in Jamaica?
0: It's so hard to talk about sugar production without talking about the human cost and effort that goes into harvesting sugarcane. Um, you know, I mean, you and I have talked ad nauseum about you know the Florida Cona dispute um, and chronic kidney disease. Um, you know, slave trade. I mean, all of that is still a worthwhile discussion to have when we're t- when we're discussing sugar trade today. You know, the hi- the history of it. But
1: and just to clarify, so Florida Cona a few years back. Got into a lot of trouble when a um, prominent bartender dumped all this Forticana and brought to brought to light the fact that most of their workers were suffering from acute kidney disease and dying early. Now, since then, they have put in a tremendous amount of effort to um, become fair trade uh, certified, and allegedly are doing things a much better way. But regardless. Sugar production, um, sugar cane harvesting is brutal, brutal work um, that is often outsourced to people from different countries other than your own.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and with that in mind, that's sort of when I think of Ray and Nephew, um, I think of a company that is, you know, proud to be Jamaican and they're proud of their heritage and they are, you know, Uh, they take care of their people. I mean, you and I, you know, with Appleton, we, we love Joy Spence, you know, I mean, the work that she does is, is incredible, you know, and and you and I have talked about that ad nauseum. Uh, I think that I'm bummed that they felt the need to close the sugar plant because what that means is that they are letting go of the, the responsibility of, of running something to their standards, which. You and I, I believe, you know, consider, consider that to be something that they hold near and dear and as a point of pride. Bringing in a third party is frightening because then are they going to hold them responsible for the same the same level of ethical treatment of their employees? You know, what, right. does, that, what does that look like? Um, not to mention they – they didn't really see a bump in profitability or any savings when they closed that first plant out of Holland, you know? So, um, but they closed, I, they closed Holland and St. Elizabeth. Is that, uh, am I correct in saying that? So is this,
1: this is the third one then that they've closed. It does sound actually more correct.
0: So uh, regardless, you know, it's, you know, by, by closing those and they still didn't see any, any savings to their bottom line, I'm, I'm curious, you know, I mean, they, the devastation brought on by, by, you know, the novel coronavirus really, really is hitting in novel ways forgive me for lack of a better term
1: well you know, so you, like, yeah you have you have tourism that's way down so it's hard for a company that's as big as Jay Ray to to justify keeping up keeping something open that is costing them has cost them 12 million dollars over the past 10 years and this isn't an isolated incident in terms of sugar production just not really paying dividends. Um, Another country where this is a huge issue right now is Guyana. Whereas in Guyana over the past 150 years, sugar factories have continued to close, which then caused more and more rum distilleries to close to where it all concentrated into one. A big reason for that being sugar beets in the, in Europe are a lot easier to farm. They yield a lot of content as well, so they have basically rendered sugar cane just too expensive.
0: Yeah, well, because they don't need to be shipped either, or at least the shipping isn't isn't as extreme, right? It doesn't have to right. cross. So there's ocean. so there's
1: also yeah, so there's also that. Now, fortunately for Guyana, they just recently struck oil off their coast, so. It might just be a luxury to make to continue to to, to produce rum and not really worry about sugar production. But for Jamaica and Jamaica has, you know, all kinds of all kinds of crazy history. I mean, they really didn't gain their independence from from the UK until like the nineteen forties or fifties. I mean, it was it was recent and the and the things that were sent into place have really put Jamaica at a disadvantage because they're in so much debt to these countries, like their freedom costs them almost everything. And, um, you know, when you have these companies that are part of their identity, like a J Ray and nephew, and they're struggling the way that they are, and they're trying to find ways to cut costs. And, you know, again, you have 370 people who are now out of work during a global pandemic, who knows what they're gonna be able to do on this island. they did say that some would be brought back, but you know, that might just be uh, lip service. So sure,
0: and and if they are, at what cost, right? Like, at, or at what cost? What 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 profit to the workers? You yeah. know, like what are are, are they going to have to take a fifty percent pay cut? You know, uh, what what does that mean? So I I'm interested in, in in following this story. I was blown away when you sent this one to me. I really caught me off guard.
1: Yeah. And, and I do think that the, the rum community in terms of enthusiasts are, are very savvy when it comes to issues like this. And Jamaica is a point of contention for a lot of people already as it fights for its um, as it fights for a geographical index, which is basically a recognition by the world that, only certain products can come from this country. Um, they're currently working on that right now to to become a thing. So Jamaica is at the forefront of a lot of discussions within the rum community right now, and this is obviously going to be just another level of it. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how it unfolds.
0: I I would like to propose something to the to the rum enthusiasts out there who who may or may not be listening, and that would be let's let's start being okay with accepting um, five extra dollars on a on a bottle. you know rum, I know a lot of the reason a lot of you guys started liking rums because it was really, really inexpensive, but that comes with a really heavy human cost to it um, and and a cultural cost, you know, as we're seeing now, you know if if Ray and nephew, it was that important to you guys and it costs five dollars more and you kept buying it it might have might have made a little bit of a difference um and 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 yeah. I, I say that because it's 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 across the board with rum a lot of a lot of people a lot of rum rum nerds love their um their one-offs or their hard to find rums but oftentimes when they're looking to just make their tiki cocktails or their, or their sipping rums, you know, that they're looking for, they're looking for a deal. They're looking for something. uh, They're looking for value. Right. Um, Yeah. I, I I would say let's, let's start wrapping our heads around being okay and excited about paying a little bit more so we can hold on to something that, uh, that we love and we don't need to justify (laughs) The human human expense on the other end of it.
1: Yeah, um, this is this is a very loaded subject for me, so I I'm going to table it for now because I can go on and on about people undervaluing items like this. Um, like seriously, we will dedicate a show in the future to this subject because yeah, I do have a lot to say. Uh, yeah, I'm you and I are it.
0: both very very passionate about this subject as well.
1: Yeah. Uh, so. so, but we're going to leave it at that. Um, so, are you good?
0: Yeah, I'm pretty good.
1: you know who's dope them over there all right so my dope follow this week is actually a um he's actually a rum blogger and you can follow him on multiple multiple different different sites um so on instagram it's the lone caner which is t-h-e-l-o-n-e-c-a- n-e-r um, he just has become one of my favorite favorite people to read he does very very extensive uh, research when it comes to all the things that he's looking into my favorite example of it is he did a whole write-up on Mowaba rum which is a rum out of south africa that almost nobody has heard of and i'm just fortunate to know the guy who who helps run it, and they are just doing wild stuff. And if you read this guy's article on it, it is just insane. So if you love long reads and you enjoy rum, uh, definitely check out the Lone Caner. Like I said on Instagram, you find him under Lone Caner. He's got a Facebook page, and then it's the Lone Caner Chris, who's your follow this week?
0: Uh, I'm going with Black Girls Wine on Instagram. Uh, I have been loving their Instagram page since uh, since I found it and getting ready for for Juneteenth at at uh, Good Bottle. Um, it is a ton of fun. It is a drinking society meant for Black women who love wine. So, a awesome. B their their Instagram page is literally just photos of women having a great time drinking wine on top of it. It also uh, ties in um, uh, technical knowledge about wine as well as plugs products that they believe in. So it's got this great balance between fun and nerdy shit. And I've been, I've been really enjoying it and I, I kind of really want there to be a black girls wine chapter in Sacramento. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who I got to call and like support to to make that happen, but I I just love the the idea of it, and it just uh, at least from Instagram, which I know is not reality, but it just appears that that they uh, are this like little little spot of of light and hope in this dark time, and it makes me happy every day when I come across their uh, their Instagram feed. Those are some dope follows. Yeah, dog. The Good Bottle Podcast is a product of Fluid Concepts. Music is by two brothers, Leon and Chase Moore, recorded remotely via Zencaster and produced poorly by us two guys. Before we go and finish these bottles we've been drinking, we ask that if you enjoyed this episode, you hit that subscribe button and leave us a five star review.
1: You can also follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook at The Good Bottle Podcast.
0: If you would like us to cover a story or if you're a brand that wants to be featured in a tasting, please email us, thegoodbottlepodcast at gmail.com.
1: And as a reminder, you can purchase the bottles that we drank on this episode at thegoodbottleshop.com. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.